Welcome to this episode of Will Hilson Under the Magnifying Glass. In this episode, I invited the executive director of the Rainbow Railroad to talk about their work and international LGBTQ plus rights. Kamali explained in details the great work that they do every day to assist LGBTQ plus people in danger in their very own country. He explained what type of persecutions some LGBTQ plus people do live every single day in various places in the world world for just being themselves. The topics tackled in this interview are very complex yet very well explained by Kamali and I hope that this interview will be as eye-opening for you as it was for myself and the whole team. If you hear my voice right now, you probably already know that you can listen to this interview. That said, you might not know that this interview was also filmed that's right, you can find it at youtube.com slash willhilson if you want to see us instead of just listening to us. So let's get started with this very serious yet very interesting interview. Kamali, you are the executive director of Rainbow Railroad, is that right? Correct. What can you say about it? Rainbow Railroad is an organization that um, exists to help persecuted LGBTQ people <laughs> from around the world find a pathway to safety. Um, we, around the world, there are about 80 countries that uh, criminalize same-sex behavior. Uh, and in those countries and many other countries, it's not safe to be an LGBTQ person. People are targeted, people are persecuted, people experience violence, people are kicked out of their homes. Uh, and they approach us for uh, a lifeline. And so what we do is we... Uh, provide individuals who we can help with mm -hmm. resources in mm -hmm. their home country so that they can find resources for safety um, and then we try to um, find individuals who we can help uh, prepare them for travel and then um, actually get them on a flight to safety right and how was this idea started in, in 2006 mm -hmm. a group of a group of individuals were um, in Tel Aviv uh, and they witnessed firsthand mm -hmm. the plight of an LGBTQ person trying to find safety. Uh, and really that's how the idea started. Um, the organization was very volunteer driven and still is volunteer driven. But in 2014, uh, the volunteers decided that they wanted to put more organization capacity to mm -hmm. what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And since then we have grown tremendously. Right. So you were speaking earlier about 80, around 80 countries that are persecuting LGBTQ plus people. Uh, what type of persecution are we looking at right now? I, I, I want to be clear that there are there are 80 countries that criminalize right. say, okay. sex activity, meaning that there's actually okay. laws on the books. Uh, I'd say that there's probably, you know, even more that where right. people are persecuted. Right. It, all, it varies from country to country. The overall problem is that there is a culture created where people feel unsafe, where their stigmatization of people is allowed and accepted. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a cultural fear mm -hmm. among LGBTQ people in those countries. Uh, it varies depending on the country you're looking at. The laws vary in the country you look at. There are some countries that um, have these laws in the books, but they don't practice them. Mm -hmm. There are other countries that are actually doing worse and they're implementing new legislation that are impacting people. So it really varies from country mm -hmm. to country. And what's the most common reason why people contact you? 
they're they're desperate. They desperate. need to leave. They need to leave. They've decided right. that they need to leave the country. And I and to be clear, there are a lot of really brave and wonderful human rights defenders and organizations around the world where they they try to create a culture within their countries mm -hmm. so that people can try to find safe haven within their countries and try to live and thrive. You know, people in general, I think one of the myths, the general misrepresentations around what it means to be a refugee is that people want to leave their countries. Mm -hmm. People, you know, if you think about where we live, people want to stay close to home. They want to yeah. be home. It's their last uh, resort. This is their last resort. People yeah. call us when you know they they're a lot. They fear their lives are at risk. Mm -hmm. Most of our correspondence is through social media or mm -hmm. email. Um, they don't know us, uh, mm -hmm. and they find out about us, and it's a, a last resort in right. many of the cases. Right. In the Western world, we really think sometimes that well, things are getting better. Really, we have marriage equality more and more. Is it true though that in other places in the world, things are getting worse? It depends. It depends. It depends on which country. And Canada is not perfect either. You know, no, while, of course. While we have marriage equality, we still have a lot of work to do mm -hmm. to protect the rights of trans people. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of work to do on that front and work on homelessness and yes. uh, racialized individuals as well. And so, um, and that's the same in, in the United States and many Western mm -hmm. countries. Um, that being said, uh, marriage equality is a symbolic marker mm -hmm. of, of what it means to have mm -hmm. uh, LGBTQ rights. In some of these other countries, um, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there are no protections and in many places people are not protected. By the law? By, by the law, by the, by law. the police. Right. Um, in, in Jamaica, for example, mm -hmm. um, when people are targeted by violence, they go to the police and the police say that they can't help them because they're engaged in criminal activity. Right? Nice. And so it's not the, the, the law itself. I mean, the mm -hmm. law is an excuse for um, groups to stigmatize right. these individuals. The fact of the matter is the amount of um, requests are, are a lot larger than the amount of people we could help. Right. Um, last year we received over 700 requests yeah. for people. For and how, how do you decide what case to take on, what case to leave behind? Because it's a reality, isn't it? We, we strive to, to help every person that yeah. we can in some way, mm -hmm. um, even if it's resources in that person's country. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have the resources to support 700 people. Of course. Um, and so what we do do is we focus on the people who have we have the most um, chance of success. Right. And there are very real barriers for mm -hmm. people. Um, for many of these individuals, can't get access to a visa to travel. Right. Um, and so if we can't get access to a visa, we try to um, figure out other means to where they can travel without a visa and still claim asylum. Uh, so what we do is we go through a verification process. Okay. We, um, we have volunteers that work extensively with individuals mm -hmm. and our staff as well. And through that process, we find that there's a lot fewer people that are actually ready to travel right. um, and have and and are in a position where we can help them. Right. So you do you suggest a country to these people? It really is case by case. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't. You know, it's not a we're not a travel service, so no, we can't uh, just um, bring people to whatever country they require. Mm -hmm. It really does depend on what on when on that individual where they can obtain a visa. Those those. Through our verification process, we find out what the best route is for that person. Right. So now, once they're in safety, let's say you fly them to safety or they take the train to safety, what's happening next? Depending on the country, probably, but how easy is it to get a 
asylum status? It's it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's mm -hmm. hard uh, depending on the country. Um, you know, in Canada, we are facing um, some ch a lot of challenges mm -hmm. uh, for refugees trying to claim asylum and right. how long it takes for them to go through the process. Mm -hmm. uh, in other countries, it's actually easier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if we move someone to Holland, for example, okay. um, it's a lot um, okay. quicker, and they provide a lot more resources mm -hmm. to the individual. Uh, so, unfortunately, we cannot. Um, and we cannot and we are not um, uh, focused on the settlement process. Right. Um, and the individuals that we help know that. We mm -hmm. try to keep tabs on people yeah. as best we can. But for us to be most effective, we want to zero in on triaging and getting people out of, uh, out of a dangerous situation to safety. And part of that process, when you ask about selection, is uh, making sure the individuals that we do help understand that they're going to to navigate part yeah. of that process on their own. Because once they leave the country, I, I, they're probably on their own, right? We try as much as possible yeah. to um, have contact on the other end too. So okay. Part of the readiness for travel mm -hmm. is um, connecting to a community or resources or individuals so that they know who to contact right. once they actually get, re there. get to their um, destination. So. I believe there's a cost, there's a price tag. We always talk about that, but there's a price tag associated with that. Mm -hmm. How much? It's probably probably varies again, but how much money can we expect to spend to save one's life? Basically, it really varies. Um, on average, we spend between you know five to ten thousand dollars mm -hmm. per individual, um, depending on what country they are in. Um, but that really is all the travel cost supports. Uh, it's working with the working with connections on the ground to make sure they're ready mm -hmm. to support their application process to get them um, to get them ready to travel to travel sometimes accommodations before they travel accommodations after they travel uh, so, uh, and sometimes post settlement support right what we what we pride ourselves on is that we are it's very crazy. we are very focused yeah. on what we do right is um, efficiency is important yes yeah and is money the only way people can help? I think money is. I think and it's, it's, it's a it's a key way. Of course, um, I absolutely. Think, I think the other thing that um, people can do is reach out to your member of parliament um, and and insist that Canada play a leading role and and more than just rhetoric. Um, the, the the Canadian government has been the current Canadian government has been very outspoken on LGBTQ rights, uh, but they can do more. Uh, I would encourage people to reach out to Randy Boissano. It can be a safe haven for people traveling. Uh, one of the trickiest things about our work is that it's really hard to claim asylum in Canada. Mm. It's really hard to travel to Canada. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming. How can people help you? How can people find you? Uh, we encourage people to go to www.rainbowrailroad.ca yeah. um, and um, if you can make a contribution yeah. Uh, and any every bit helps us right. save a life. Yes. Um, you could also find us on Facebook and Twitter and have a conversation with us there. Um, we're looking for as many different contacts um, for uh, around the world mm -hmm. to help us with individuals who travel as well. Uh, and so there are many, many ways right. to support, monetary or, or not. Right. And if they want to make a contribution, what's the website again? www.rainbowrailroad.ca. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having Pleasure. me. Pleasure.